I'm Peyton Warmke with Heartbrand Beef located in Flatonia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. There are a lot of topics being covered at producer education meetings around the Texas High Plains right now, including how to get the most out of your irrigation. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The role of the beef checkoff in overseas exports of beef. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. A 40-year-old legal doctrine known as Chevron deference is going before the Supreme Court, and it could have big effects on agriculture. I'm Chad Smith, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. And it all starts right now. The Joseph A. O'Neill Cotton Marketer of the Year is honored each year at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences. This year, the event was held in Fort Worth, and a Texas cotton farmer was the honoree. Jason Moss of Pringle, Texas, was named the top cotton marketer in the nation. I've kind of worked in the markets. I work with farmers. I've been working with farmers on their marketing for a couple of decades now. And I guess my reaction to it is one of humility. You know, when you deal with the markets a lot, you know that success uh, is hard to repeat consistently. I mean, the market can make us all look foolish or, or smart from time to time with a lot of luck. And I don't think we did anything exceptional. I think we had a story on how we market, which is one of diversification. I was very, very honored to receive the word, but all I was getting at was just a humble approach to, I don't think we did anything exceptional to receive it necessarily. Moss says a big part of his marketing strategy is to be prepared to take advantage of the opportunities the market gives you. And that was very important last year, with prices below the cost of production for most of the year. That makes it a little more challenging. And a lot of times the market will give you 10 months to sell the bottom, but only about 10 minutes to sell the top. And yet the time to sell above cost of production is sometimes a very short window. So being locked and loaded and prepared for those opportunities ahead of time with some forethought in the, you know, your marketing plan is very, very important. You know, the, the market moves so fast, has so much volatility these days, you can't decide to decide later. That's Jason Moss of Pringle, Texas, this year's Cotton Marketer of the Year. We host several national farm meetings here in Texas, but an unusual one came to Austin this year. The potato industry was out in full force last week in the Lone Star State for the National Potato Expo. Of course, all things are bigger and better here in Texas, and National Potato Council CEO Cam Quarles 
says the Potato Expo was bigger and better than ever. Truly bigger and better. We had 40% more exhibitors this time than five years ago. We had over 30% more attendees. And it was a record-breaking one. Biggest expo we've ever had. We broke our attendance record by well over 15%. So we're, we're really happy. I think the, that means the industry's happy. They're clearly energized and wanted to be here. So Austin was good to us. The National Potato Expo moves around the country each year. Next year's expo will be held in Las Vegas. Getting the most out of your irrigation system is one of the topics being covered at producer education meetings this winter. James Hunt tells us farmers are learning how to be more efficient with their water. As producer education meetings continue in the Texas High Plains, the North Plains Groundwater Conservation District is now accepting registration for its annual Master Irrigator classes. Steve Amoson is a consultant for the North Plains District. He says when a survey of farmers was done three years after they attended the program, the benefit of participating in Master Irrigator really showed. What we found out is that 92% have implemented something they learned in the course and it worked out to be tweaking techniques you know and maybe where they put a new type of irrigation system and maybe just modifying the way they handle the irrigation all sorts of different things that they've done and what is interesting of those 92 percent that responded positively 82 percent said that they improved their water use efficiency, which means getting more bushels for that acre inch that they're putting down. And 56%, which means we got some they're duplicating, reported getting water savings. The Master Irrigator classes begin on February 15th. To find out more about the program, contact the North Plains Groundwater Conservation District in Dumas or search online with the words North Plains Master Irrigator. Also coming up on the calendar is the Randall County Pre-Plant Producer Meeting on Wednesday, January 24th in Canyon. Contact the Randall County Extension Office for more details and to RSVP your attendance. And with a lot of other meetings going on, contact AgriLife to find out about any opportunities coming up close to where you farm or ranch. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Beef Checkoff Program is helping to support beef exports. Tom Nicoletti visits with the chairman of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. My guest today is Jimmy Taylor. He is chairman of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. He runs cattle and uh, has an operation in Cheyenne, Oklahoma. And uh, Jimmy, uh, how is this Beef Checkoff Program contributing to the exports of beef? USMEF, which does the exports, they're one of our contractors. Their job is to go to different countries and get market access and develop markets in those countries. They've got 19 offices around the world and work in about 80 different countries. So they'll take dollars that we have. And the neat thing about exports, the USDA has programs that they'll match those dollars. 
so we'll get a bigger bang for the buck there because USDA is putting in some dollars too through the, the MAP program and the FMD program. So last year we had an all-time record in exports. We had $11.68 billion worth of exports. We had three countries that went over $2 billion apiece. This year we're a little back of that. We've got some headwinds with the strong dollar and uh, less cattle numbers, so we have less beef available. The top three countries were uh, South Korea at $2.7 billion, China with $2.55 billion, and Japan at $2.4 billion. Now, a big component of those exports, we did over a billion dollars in beef variety meats. Those are things that we can't sell here in the United States, such as liver, tripe, tongues. But the United States Meat Export Federation does a really good job of marketing those in other countries. That is Jimmy Taylor. He is chairman of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Two cases argued before the U.S. Supreme Court this week could have an impact on America's farmers. Chad Smith says the cases addressed a legal principle called Chevron deference. The Supreme Court heard arguments against Chevron deference this week, the legal test for when federal courts must defer to a government agency's interpretation of a law. Travis Cushman, American Farm Bureau Federation Deputy General Counsel for Litigation and Public Policy, explains. Chevron deference is a judge-created rule about 40 years ago that basically tells judges not to decide hard questions of law, but to defer to federal agencies. As a result, what this basically does is it takes power away from Congress, away from the judges, and creates a super branch of government headed in these executive branch administrative agencies. Cushman says Chevron deference has fundamentally changed the government impacting agriculture. Every agency we work with as a result of this has tried to attempt to enlarge their power beyond what Congress contemplated. For example, WOTUS, Water the United States. Over the past several decades, EPA and the Army Corps continue to draft rules that are clearly outside of what Congress intended. And lower courts, you'll keep on deferring to the agency saying, oh, yeah, this, this WOTUS rule is good. And it's not until we get to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has to say, no, actually, this rule isn't good. So it's empowered the EPA and the Army Corps to put out WOTUS rules that eventually get overturned, but we get stuck with them for many years. The Supreme Court is evaluating whether to keep Chevron deference. The court heard two cases that were challenging it. Uh, it was very exciting to be there. At the very least, it seems that all judges agreed that Chevron is not workable as it is today. And I'm hopeful that they'll we'll get a majority to flat out get rid of the doctrine, which would return much more power to Congress and the judiciary and put the agencies back in, in the original function of just enforcing the law. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today. After a brief hiatus due to COVID, the Texas Waterfowl Symposium is back. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And one method of treating cattle is using a dart gun. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th. 
a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Making Texas agriculture great again. This is Texas Ag Today. One method of treating cattle is using a dart gun loaded with darts that contain medication. Dr. Bob Judd says it's the second most preferred method. I know used darts for many years in cattle practice, but only if the owner did not have any facilities for treating the cows. If possible, I would recommend building cattle facilities, as you can do a better job treating the cattle. Now, if you're doing it because you have thousands of stalker cattle and rounding them up is not possible due to the size of the property, treating with darts may be a good option. Bovine Veterinarian performed a survey last summer of 369 veterinarians and producers, and using darts was secondary in preferred methods of treating cattle, and was second only to walking cattle to pens. United States Department of Agriculture completed a study in 2017 and noted that pneumatic darts can be used to administer antibiotics and other injectable medication to cattle. The larger the operation, the more likely for producers to use darts, as the cattle are likely farther from working facilities. The USDA does mention the concern that the dart could hit an incorrect area on an animal and affect the animal's welfare. The darts do allow cattle to be treated from a safe distance and with less stress than pinning them and running them through a chute. A disadvantage of darts is you can never be sure all the medication is delivered into the animal. Multiple veterinarians indicated at Drovers.com that they do not recommend darts as some do not comply with food and drug medication use requirements. Also, there are confirmed reports of injection site abscesses due to non-sterile darts and drug residues have been reported in carcasses. The medications are labeled for intramuscular or subcutaneous use. And with a dart, you cannot be sure where the medication is deposited, which affects the withdrawal and effectiveness of the drug. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. After a brief hiatus due to COVID, the Texas Waterfowl Symposium is back. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. In just a few weeks, landowners, hunters, and waterfowl enthusiasts from across the state will gather in Corsicana for the Texas Waterfowl Symposium hosted by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Wildlife Association. The event will be held February 1st and 2nd. Jared Schlotman, TWA Conservation Education Specialist, joins us with more. This symposium will bring together some of the foremost experts on waterfowl ecology and management to present on a variety of topics surrounding ducks and geese, along with their needs in Texas. We're excited to share population updates from this past hunting season, along with forecasts for the future waterfowl along the, the Central Flyway. Schlotman says the event will include informational presentations and field tours. We'll also touch on Texas harvest 
status. We'll have some Texas Parks and Wildlife biologists present who will get to speak on that along with just general Texas waterfowl updates. What we saw this year in our, our duck and geese populations as they, they came down to Texas. And we'll also do some presentations on how to manage hunting pressure, which has become a, a huge factor. You know, a lot of folks aren't, aren't seeing the numbers of ducks that they've seen in the past. And we'll also have some conversations on what resources are available to landowners and, and the management of waterfowl habitat. So how private landowners can access federal or state dollars to increase or improve their waterfall habitat. There will also be field tours of Richland Creek and Gus Engling Wildlife Management Areas. Again, that event is February 1st and 2nd in Corsicana. Cost is $70 for adults and $45 for students. You can register now on the Texas Wildlife Association website. That's texas-wildlife.org. You can also find a link by searching Texas Waterfowl Symposium. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures ended the week on a lower note on Friday. We ended in the red on both live and feeder cattle. February live cattle dropped 45 cents, 174.37. The April down 27, 177.37. With June live cattle down 20, 174.32. Feeder cattle lower, January down 82 cents, 230.10. March feeders down 60, 231.95, with April down 27 at 237.47. It was another very slow week in the cash fed cattle market. In fact, as of late Friday, we still didn't have any sales to report. Actually, we did have one sale last week, but that was on the online fed cattle exchange. It's a pen of cattle, one pen, sold for 174 on the grid. But other than that, just nothing to speak of late Friday. We had the Packers bidding 172. Feedlots were asking 175 and better. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday. Choice down 34 cents, 295.95. Select up $1.19 at 284.95. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. I'm with Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Sabas, Ken Jordan. Ken, how did the San Sabas sale go Thursday? We ended up right at 2,800 head of cattle at the stock of steers, sold probably five, fifteen dollars higher. That's compared to last week, which was a very strong market. I had a group of steers, there's three steers, weighed five, thirty-two, brought three oh seven and a half, a little over right at sixteen hundred and thirty-six dollars. Also had a group of seven steers that weighed four ninety-nine. Uh, they brought three can a pound. And those little four hundred ninety-nine pound calves, those steers started out for fifteen hundred and forty-seven dollars. 
I thought the stocker heifers, they were probably 7 to $14 a hundred higher. The feeder steers, the bigger cattle, they were steady. I think the four steers weighed eight eighty nine and dollar ninety eight seventeen hundred and sixty dollars on those. And I thought the feeder heifers were probably three to six higher. I had a really good set of uh, feeder heifers in one group. There's 30 head in that draft, weighed six eighty nine at two nineteen a pound. That's right at $1,509 on those. I thought the packer cows and bulls, they all sold fully steady yesterday. Pairs of red cows sold steady on a very limited test. Overall, this extremely strong market. This market definitely rebounded uh, with the uh, after the first year, Larry. Good. That was the results of Sense 7. Now we have an announcement about Mason Monday. You bet, Larry. I made a decision that I think we're going to cast our sale on Monday. Uh, it looks like Sunday's going to be pretty well below freezing here. And then also Monday will be. We're going to be in some of the single digits uh, as far as the lows those nights and not give up freezing until probably sometime Wednesday. And with those kind of conditions, a lot of the buyers just talking to them yesterday. If it continues like this, uh, yesterday was they're going to just pretty well fill out the orders and then not ship anything until next week sometime. So I think with all the uh, interest and just the safety and the coldness and all that, uh, we do have some pronounced precipitation since this morning. It looks like coming in from Monday. Uh, and uh, just the roads and things could be potentially slick with cold, cold weather. And I just don't see a lot of people bringing them in. I hate to go through that whole procedure, Larry. And so I think we're better off. Let's just cancel that. And then we'll be back Thursday over here since I have a Saturday next. Uh, Saturday will be a special female sale. Then back in Mason again, Larry. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken Jordan. Jordan yeah. Cattle Auction, Mason, and Send 7. You bet, Larry. Give us a call, Larry. Code 325-372-5159. And, neighbor, we're aware of only one sale in our area down in Three Rivers on Monday. At least five cancellations for the week. That's it for Walking the Pins, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. You're listening to me right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finish lower on Friday. February hogs down 35 cents at 70.75. April down 30, 78.15. Class 3 milk was slightly higher. January milk up 6 cents, 15.20 a hundredweight, while February Class 3 milk was up 8 at fifteen seventy-three a hundred. Nice gain in the cotton market on Friday coming on the heels of the weekly export sales report. It came out Friday morning, looked great. Weekly cotton sales up 60%, while shipments posted a seasonal marketing year high. March cotton jumping 114 points to close at 83.95. May cotton up 150 points, 84.89 with new crop December cotton up 36 at 80.22 cents. We saw slight gains in the corn and wheat markets. Corn up only a penny or so. March corn up one and a half, 445 and a half. May corn up a penny, 456, with September corn up a half, 468 and three quarters. Both hard and soft wheat posted gains Friday with March Kansas City wheat up two and three quarters, 608 a bushel. New crop July up three at 614. Chicago wheat finishing higher with July up six cents, 609 and three quarters. In the energy markets, Friday, February natural gas dropped 15 cents at 253. February West Texas crude down 27 cents at 73.81 a barrel. The financial markets higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 386 points at 37,855. The NASDAQ up 238 at 15,293. The S&P up 55, 4,836. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. 
For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.